The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So today I want you to imagine something, okay? Imagine you were actually chosen by God to be one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. You were chosen by him, and you were actually able to see all and witness all of Jesus' teaching. Not just his teaching, but also witness all the miracles that he did. Wouldn't that be a great honor and privilege? Um, I wonder if you've ever been to a magic show, or you've seen anything on television uh, about magic. You know, aren't you just amazed? Like, how did they do that? That's incredible, and we all know that it's just a trick that it's just an illusion, but it's, it's just pulled off phenomenally, and you're just kind of in awe. Well, if you would imagine that Jesus, he didn't use magic. It wasn't, the, what he did was supernatural. And so, can you imagine being one of those disciples that saw him walk on the water? Calm the seas? Can you imagine him seeing him drive out demons in people? Or bringing people back to life? I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? Well, today we're going to focus on miracles and what that means. And I want you to see a verse from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The gospel writer John says, Jesus did many, I'm emphasizing that, many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, these miracles that that Jesus performed, he just didn't do them just randomly, like, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to do this just to impress you guys, you know, or just because he could. No, when he performed a miracle, it was for a reason. It was specifically so that we might believe in him. That we, that would see that, the people back then would see that, would maintain faith and would understand that he really is God's son. So just for definition's sake, okay, a miracle is this. It's an event or effect contrary to the known laws of nature, so it's a supernatural happening. A miracle. And so on this Good Friday, here's what I want us to think about. We're going to consider seven of those miracles of Jesus that actually happened on this day that accompanied his betrayal and that also uh, part of the crucifixion. All All these miracles, they're meaningful and God used them purposefully, exactly, and and, and he executed them perfectly. So the first one we're going to do is beginning with John chapter 18. So you're going to be in your Bibles today. If you have them on your phones, great, but you're going to be going to different gospel accounts, and we're going to, we're going to talk about this today. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. And as you go there, I'm going to, I'm going to just begin like this. If you realized it or not, the Jewish people back in the first century, they kind of counted their days from sundown to sundown. Whereas what we do is we go from midnight to midnight. The Jewish people go from sundown to sundown, and so the first miracle that we're going to talk about was really, in our minds, on a Thursday night. But in the Jewish mind, it was Friday, the day he died. So I'm going to read from verse 1 through 11 from John chapter 18. 
When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove. And he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas, Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am. Am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, I told you that I am he. Jesus answered, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so the words they had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those who you gave, you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? I want you to look on the screen. Same account, but from Luke's gospel. Luke says it this way, but Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour, when darkness reigns. From those two accounts, I wonder if you you realize that there were actually two miracles that happened in this reading. Miracle number one is this, the soldiers... But also, not just the soldiers, Judas, they fall to the ground, and then also Jesus heals. Both of these miracles show Jesus' power, don't they? Think about it this way. The Roman soldiers, they're there. They're showing their military strength. There's bloodthirsty Jews, and all they want is for Jesus to be killed. Judas is is right there. And somehow, supernaturally, they fall back. They fall back into the ground. And I can't help but think and imagine that there's this invisible battle going on, right? There's angels on one side with Jesus and disciples. There's the devil and demons with Judas and all the others. And we can't see what's happening. But yet, here's Jesus. He speaks these words. He declares them. In fact, the Bible says that he went out to them. They weren't coming after him. He went out to them and he says, I am. I am he. And they fall to the ground because he uses the name of God. And Satan and all his demons, and that just caused them, boom, I'm down to the ground. Because Jesus is showing that he is God's almighty son. They know it. What's this miracle remind me of? It reminds me that there's no power. There's no power that could force Jesus to go on the cross. Amen? He was in control. He was in charge. He knew what was going to go on, and he went willingly, knowing all that was going to be before him. I can just imagine, Jesus has all the power in the world. He could stop any of these events at any time. There were a million ways that he could escape the cross, but he didn't. Now that miracle is kind of not as obvious as the second miracle. The second miracle, well, Peter, the impulsive one, he's he's got a sword, so he's going to cut off this, this man's ear. 
instantaneously, instantaneously, Jesus touches him, and he's healed. Knowing all that's going to happen to him, the shame, the punishment, all that, in the midst of what's going on, he shows his power, his compassion, and his love, and restores this man, physically heals somebody that's hurting. See, God is saying on this Good Friday, to all of us, I think, I'm going to display my power, my glory, my majesty, and I want you to watch. Be amazed. And just remember. Why don't you go to Mark chapter 15. It's found on page 1,583 in the Bibles we give. Mark chapter 15. I'm going to start reading from verse 25 on the uh, second miracle. Mark 15, beginning in verse 25. He writes, it was the third hour... That's 9 a.m. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. They're really wanting a different miracle, aren't they? These Pharisees and chief priests. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, that's noon, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's Luke's account, right at the same time. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. Second miracle is darkness. Three hours of unexplainable darkness. The reason why I say unexplainable, because it's not an eclipse of the sun. Scholars say that the Jewish Passover, which goes on a lunar cycle, made this event not possible to be an eclipse. An eclipse would last how long, too? This is three hours of this supernatural kind of eerie darkness. And there are witnesses outside of Scripture that also describe and corroborate what the Bible says. Dr. Uh, Paul Meyer, who is this esteemed historian, says it this way, that it covered this darkness, an extensive region. He says, this phenomenon evidently was visible in Rome, Athens, and the other Mediterranean cities. Darkness. Darkness is a sign, especially in the Old Testament, in the book of Joel and Amos. Darkness is a sign of judgment, of fear, of dread. And it's associated with the coming of the day of the Lord. How many of you heard that phrase, the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, usually when we hear that, it's like, okay, it's, just, it's Jesus' second coming. It's the time when he's coming, he's going to take all believers with him to heaven, praise God, and all those that don't believe in him. They'll be judged for their sins, and they'll be sent to hell. The just punishment for everyone's sin. But the day of the Lord isn't just that day. 
that second coming. Because the prophets also describe the day of the Lord as this day. Good Friday. And think about it. Judgment happened today, didn't it? It did. Judgment happened. And that was good news for us. Because God the Father put Jesus on the cross to be judged. And the sins of the whole world. So that judgment doesn't fall on us, praise God. On the cross, in darkness, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father did forsake him. God the Father did abandon him for those three hours on the cross because he endured the full penalty for my sin and for your sin. And because Jesus did take that punishment, guess what? God won't ever turn his back on you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. That's his promise because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Amen? Prophet Isaiah says it this way, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Third miracle from Luke's gospel. Go to chapter 23, beginning in verse 38. It's found on page 1,641, Luke, chapter 23. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me. Where? Look on the screen, Matthew's Gospel. Same time, same event. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquakes and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Miracle number three really is this. It's something that we might take for granted, but the third person of the triune God is the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit is generous and giving faith. Faith itself is a miracle, isn't it? Think about that. It's a miracle. Miracles of faith are recorded on Good Friday. A centurion, a, a, a commander of a hundred men, the thief on the cross, this gift of faith is absolutely the best gift anyone could ever receive because without true saving faith in Jesus you're going to live separately from a God that loves you I remember what Ephesians 2 chapter 1 says you were dead you were dead in your trespasses and sin the Bible says spiritually dead people can't come to life without something miraculously reviving them so faith is that miracle of life from death. And the Holy Spirit, by the power of God's words, 
by Jesus' words, actually, given to that criminal on the cross, made him receive it and believe it. He became spiritually alive even in these moments of dying. Dying physically, yet coming alive spiritually. I mean, that's a classic deathbed conversion, isn't it? It really is, that thief on the cross. But I want you to also think about this Roman, Roman centurion who guarded Jesus. The scholars say that this centurion is probably the one who assisted Pontius Pilate during the trials. He's handling the prisoners and the crowd control. Can you just put yourself in the shoes of this Roman centurion for just a minute? I mean, he saw how Jesus carried himself. He saw the sham trials that Pontius Pilate and, and the chief priest and the Pharisees all had. He heard all the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. He witnessed the darkness. There's an earthquake that happens. His duties require him to attend to every detail of this crucifixion. So he witnessed it all. And here's what I love. Throughout all these events, can you imagine the Holy Spirit was at work in him? He's seeing all this take place, and he's understanding the reality of who Jesus is, and he says, he's God's son. The centurion didn't reject that idea. It's a miracle. It's a miracle in his heart. It's a miracle in the thief's heart. And frankly, it's a miracle in all our hearts. Isn't it? When we receive true saving faith, and I can, I can, can you just imagine, I mean, here we are 2,000 years from this event. And can you imagine all the miracles of faith yet to come? Maybe even through you. That somebody's life is going to be changed by your witness, by, by your actions, and by your words. And this miracle of faith is going to happen. You ever hear this phrase, you might be the Bible that a, some, some person who doesn't believe ever reads? You might be it. So I can't leave this topic of this miracle of faith without asking anyone now for if you're listening now, why not believe? Right now. Don't wait. Here's what the Bible says in the book of James. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. See, God doesn't want somebody to consider converting someday, right? No, because he says today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Why wait? Because none of us knows. I mean, it just caused me to think about there was an accident. I'm glad you're here, right? And I'm glad you're here now. But was there a big accident right in front of church? I mean, we have no idea. God forbid that you would go out of this place right now and have an accident. And God would say, hey, it's time for your life to end. God forbid that. But death can be sudden, can't it? It can come unexpectedly, and there might not be time for a deathbed conversion. The only reasonable option, really, is to repent today. God, I'm a sinner. I know it. I need you. I have faith in you today. Miracle number four. If you look on the screens, it's a combination of Matthew and of Luke. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It's miraculous. It's this tearing of this curtain that you're probably familiar with, and the timing of it wasn't coincidental. Not at all. It's a sign from God. God tore it from top to bottom. You might wonder, well, what's the big deal about that? Keep in mind, it probably wasn't from the earthquake, but to our knowledge, the, the walls of the temple were, were, didn't crumble. But it's unexplainable. 
And you have to picture this, this curtain. Some say it's like a hand breadth thick, meaning it's about four, four inches thick, about 60 feet tall. Can you imagine? I don't know how tall that black curtain is behind us. 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide. But what makes this ripping of this, this, this material so miraculous? Because a sign from God really is meant to communicate something special. It's, it has a meaning. It, it's, it's, call, it's, it's calling attention to what's going on in these moments of God's, God's son dying. At that time, God's trying to tell us something. What is it? Well, to understand that, we have to kind of go back to the Old Testament to understand why God made this temple in this curtain in the first place. What was behind the curtain? The Ark of the Covenant was a holy of holies, the Bible describes, to be placed. I mean, that's really, it's where God's presence is. Everybody knows that if you're a believer in God in the Old Testament, this is where God's throne room is. And only one person can go there. And lots of sacrifices have to happen every year. The high priest that year goes in, and this curtain kind of, it's there for our protection. It's there for us to be protected by a holy God, because Exodus chapter 33 says, No one shall see God and live. Anyone else who would go in there, they would be facing death right away. So this curtain that's torn in half from top to bottom, notice that. I mean, that's an indication that God himself could only tear that. Not human strength. God did it. How? Exactly by the death of his son. I don't, the Bible doesn't describe how it just happened. But here's what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You see, this miracle is saying really to all of us, God's saying, welcome. Come on in. There's nothing that stands between us anymore. Not sin, not anything. Miracle number five. If you look on the screen from the book of Matthew, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the earth shook, the rocks split. Okay, skeptics might say, because the way I defined a miracle, right? That, well, an earthquake's not, nothing miraculous about that. True. By the very moment Jesus died, the earth quaking, not by chance. See, God's making a statement. Another word that John's gospel used is signs. Signs, wonders, miracles. It's a sign from God that something special is happening. When I was a boy, I was 16 years old, I was in the Philippines. I got to visit my family in the summertime. I was on a third-story floor of a concrete building, and the earth shook. I experienced an earthquake for I don't know how long, several seconds. I was terrified. You know what happened to me? I was immobilized. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just standing there trying not to fall. And I, I remember it. I was, so, I was two stories up. There was a floor above me, and I was kind of like on the ledge looking down when this earthquake happened. I, it was, I'll never forget that. Yet, 2,000 years ago, roughly 33 A.D., on Good Friday, we don't know how long the earth shook, but the prophet, I want you to listen to what the prophet Ezekiel says, chapter 38, verse 19, In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. 
Oh. God shook the earth. Why? Because his wrath was completely being poured out on his son Jesus. And people, he didn't want people to forget. The people that were watching, did they forget? No, they wrote it down. He's saying, this day is when my anger is displayed in my power. It's on my son for you. But I also want you to think about this. There was an earthquake that day. Three days later, there's also an earthquake. I mean, the Bible says it this way. At dawn on the first day of the week, there's a violent earthquake, and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and the Roman guards shook, they said, like dead men. They became like dead men. You see how God's using these like geological events, these signs to communicate some spiritual meaning behind what is happening. I mean, if you think about that earthquake three days later, an angel comes and tells the two Marys, don't be afraid. I know who you're looking for. Jesus who was crucified. He has risen. Two earthquakes. And they're tying the crucifixion and the resurrection like a seismic knot. I love that. Miracle number six on the screens as well from Matthew. At that moment, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus resurrected and went to the holy city, appeared to many people. All right, let's back up for just a minute. If you look at your sermon notes, what, what kind of miracles are we talking about right now? Have people fallen to the ground because of the name of God? Healing of a man's ear, darkness, miracle of faith, curtain being torn, earthquake, and at the exact moment Jesus died, and now we hear this happening? Whoa! I think that's amazing that at Jesus' death, there's actually resurrection. Why it happened, I have no idea, but it makes your mind go, like, were, were these holy ones, were they 100 years old, or did you just die? Right? I mean, it makes me think about John chapter 5. John 5, Jesus' words to his disciples. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. That time certainly did come. It was the time of Good Friday when those holy ones, already dead, came back to life. We don't have much detail other than what you just read. But can you imagine? I mean, my mind goes to, to think about these questions. Well, where, where did they go? What did they say? For how long did they live? Did they, they died again. I mean, it's just amazing and miraculous. And the most important thing I think that we can get about miracle number six is the fact that the resurrection of these saints proves that the resurrection and eternal life are realities. And that's hard for us. I mean, we can, we can understand death. We understand dying. But God wants us to understand what living means. And resurrected bodies coming up from the ground. That's miraculous, I think. That Jesus defeated sin, death, and the devil because of what he did. Because of that, I have faith. Because of that, I hope you have faith as well. This miracle, I think, just assures us. John chapter 14, verse 19 says, Because I live, you also will live. And this is the Father's heart. It's the Father's heart for me and for you that dead things come back to life. Amen? Because of Jesus' victory.
seventh miracle, I want you to go to John chapter 19. It's on page 1,685. John chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. The Bible says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the others. But when they, had, when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony. This is how the author John writes this way. The man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that, what? You also may believe. All these miracles happening that Good Friday, this last one, are really Jesus' words. It is finished. In the Greek, it's really just one word. The Greek is tetelestai. It's from the Greek verb telos, teleo, and it means this, to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish I mean, it's the word you use when you've checked something off your bucket list. You know, when you've climbed Mount Everest or you've finished a a marathon or a term paper in school or you paid off your brand new car. It's that kind of word. Remember how I started with the magic show and these things aren't magic? Well, you know, the kind of finale of a magician, you know, the words they would use to kind of make things come about, he would say the words abracadabra, right? You've heard that word? It comes really from the Aramaic, Jesus' native language. There's like three words wrapped up in that abracadabra. Ab means father. Bara means created. Dabar means word. Abracadabra. You could almost hear it. And here's what it means. It will be created in my words. Wow. It is finished. It's, I mean, his words exactly communicated what he did. What he did for us. What is finished. Well, he's telling everybody, the world, by just that one word, to tell us die, that my debt has been paid. My sin is atoned for. It's finished means that the terror of sin and death and Satan, it's nullified. It's not for me anymore. There's no power that can overcome me because of Good Friday. And I want you to think about this. You know, we, all, we have this Easter greeting, He has risen, right? We'll say that on Easter. But I think we should have a Good Friday greeting. You know what that Good Friday greeting is? It is finished. 
I want you to say that to somebody right now. Say it to a couple people. Just go ahead. We're going to depart in silence, but it doesn't mean you can talk right now. It is finished. Go ahead and say it to one another. It is finished. It's a shout of triumph from Jesus. It is finished means salvation is won. We're going to say that together. Ready? One, two, three. It is finished. Amen. The battle is over and done for. Satan loses. Amen? Seven miracles on Good Friday. One miracle yet still to come. And all of these have altered history forever. I pray you have a blessed Good Friday.